0: Kia ora, I'm Georgia. I'm Catherine. And you're listening to Parent Pod. Kia ora everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Parent Pod. Um we this is a great episode we have today. Uh, with Sophie from Aotearoa Baby Clinic, we know that you all loved the last one so much. Um, so we're so excited to bring you another episode from Sophie and on such an awesome topic. Yeah, we managed um, to talk yeah. her into
1: coming back.
0: Yes, yeah, well worth a listen. Absolutely. Um, and just before we we kick off, we just wanted to say um, a big Nui to everyone on the North Island. Um, who's been affected by the cyclone. We're thinking of you. I, I, I just can't even fathom it, if I'm honest. No, it is really um, hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and especially thinking of all you lovely parents up there who maybe are expecting and it's just um, like it's a lot of stress to put you under, I think, at that time. Yeah. And all of those with young children trying to explain it and, you know, keep a bit of normality for them with All of this, so yeah, sending much love to all of you up there. Yeah, well said, Catherine. Um, And let's crack on with today's episode. Enjoy.
1: Today we have Dr. Sophie Mace back to speak with us. Sophie is a consultant GP and lactation consultant in the Nelson and Tasman who specializes in perinatal and infant health, in particular breastfeeding, sleep, and mental health. We were fortunate enough to record an episode with Sophie at the end of last year on the first 1,000 days and this has been one of our most listened to episodes, so if you haven't already, be sure to go back and have a listen to that one. Today, Sophie is going to be chatting with us about neurodiversity and parenting, in particular ADHD. Thank you so much for coming back to chat to us, Sophie. We're really appreciative of you taking the time yeah, out of your busy schedule it? to share your knowledge with us all. Um, firstly, how are you and how's your fano?
2: Good. Everybody's good. School started back yesterday, which my oh. was very happy about.
1: Well, yeah, was that so a relief? Good.
2: So good. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's actually something because obviously Catherine and I are both um, teachers as mm. well as mums, and we've always thought like, how do how do parents do it in the it's holidays really when you're not
2: a teacher? And we both work, so yeah. it's a long time, and it's um, it's a, bit a long of a time, and we don't, you know, we don't always have holiday program available.
1: No, or leave or like people that don't have leave and family and stuff. It must be such a
2: juggle. Yeah, and my work doesn't stop over Christmas, New Year's. Mm. No. So, yeah. Yeah, you always need a doctor. Exactly. Yeah, I was talking to
1: a friend the other day and she was like, I just have to bring my daughter to work Mm. with me. She just has to sit in my office and just... She's like, we just have no other option. Oh, no
2: yeah. way. I'm lucky like, enough to oh, have, gosh. my mum took her for a, a couple of days during the holidays. Nice. She sleepovers, but yeah, not everybody has that available.
1: No. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, oh,
2: I don't know how a lot of people do it. It's hard.
1: Yeah. Um, and holiday programs yeah, and things are so expensive. So I'm yes. sure there are a lot of parents <laughs> listening who are just like, thank God school is back. School is
2: back. Yeah, most other schools <laughs> in this area start back next week, so we're lucky that it's oh good yeah
0: um so sophie you've done a lot of work around the perinatal period and adhd adhd sorry during that time so what exactly is adhd
2: so it's a hard one to kind of sum up in a nutshell but adhd it's a neurodevelopmental condition so a largely genetic condition that's present from birth or very early on um, in someone's life um, and it affects the what's called the executive functioning. So the executive function in the brain is kind of like the CEO of the brain. So mm-hmm. it doesn't micromanage all the decisions that the, and things that the brain needs to do but it kind of uh, gives overarching goals and helps people helps you work towards those goals over time. So it helps direct behaviour to meet a goal in the future, if that okay. makes sense, like a CEO of a company would do. Um, so okay. with ADHD, there are um, issues with the functioning of that, of that executive functioning. So the main ones um, would be working memory. So working memory is like the RAM on your computer. So how many things can you have open at once? How many things can you remember at a time? If you imagine like a whiteboard in your brain and you've written down someone's phone number, how long will it stay there before it gets wiped off? Um, So the ability to kind of keep something in mind over time, over a short period of time. um, And also uh, to hold something in mind and compare it to something else. So for example, um, something that you see in kids is like learning consequences. So, this decision that I want to make now I want to do, I've had this, you know, I've done this before and something bad has happened. Um, Can I use that previous experience to modify my choice now? Or Mm -hmm. I want to do this thing, but I know that if I do it, I'm not going to get something else that I want. Can I use that to modify my behavior now? So that's kind of that goal-directed thing is impacted. And little kids have no ability to do that whatsoever um now is now um and over time we kind of develop that ability and people with adhd kids with adhd it's often delayed or um there's kind of a dysfunction in that process even throughout adulthood um right so there's the working memory there's regulation so the regulation of attention emotions and impulses so we all think of adhd you know it's in the name attention deficit hyperactivity disorder um But it's not so much a deficit of attention. It's an inability to regulate attention.
1: Okay. Okay. So, for
2: example, I'm talking to you guys. There's lots of other things going on in my environment. There's rain going on outside. There's noises from within the house. Is my brain able to, like, shut all of that stuff out so I can just focus on this? Or is it going to continue, like, bringing all that stuff to my attention? So the neurotypical brain will be able to say, this is what I want to focus on. This is my goal. Um, I'm going to like just dampen down all this stuff. If you imagine like a mixing table in um, mm-hmm. like a production studio, you can kind of like turn up and turn down different things. Um, the ADHD brain is more like on or off. So there's, there's no okay. kind of smooth analog dial. It's on or off, tension on or off. Um, uh, okay. So that looks like not being able to switch off from things in your environment. So that might be visual stimuli it might be things you're hearing it might be physical sensations um so you know kids with autism and adhd often have sensory sensitivity so autistic kids Mm -hmm. you know clothing and things tags on clothing they just can't shut off that physical sensation um in a way that the neurotypical brain like it's there but you don't know it because your brain is like i don't need to pay attention to that yeah um so that's kind of attention regulation and how that also um shows up is difficulty in switching attention so um again you see this often in kids hyper focus so sometimes people will go oh no they don't have adhd because they can play computer games for six hours in a row and you go uh, yeah but okay. can they stop playing computer games if they've got something else to do can they eat yeah. can they go to the bathroom um, can they drink water No, because they actually can't regulate their attention away from that one thing. And the same with interrupting. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I hear often. Like, they don't have it actually because they can read. Like, yeah, but that's, they might be reading to the exclusion of other things.
1: Yes. That's, um, that's... that definitely presented with some children Mm -hmm. that we taught, I would Mm -hmm. say. Yeah. Yeah. And And so it's, yeah.
2: Sorry, you go.
1: Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say that was, um, yes, discussions had mm. that they it was believed to not be ADHD initially. Yep. Yep. And then, yeah, once you kind of look into it a little bit more, mm. there were yep. lots of signs pointing that that yep. was what it was.
2: Yep. Yeah, and, not, and usually that's something they'll be able to focus on something they really enjoy. And so this yes. is why then people will kind of go, oh, it's not ADHD, it's just behavioral because they mm-hmm. can do things if they enjoy it. But that's part of the that's part of the condition is that um, you know like there's like this the goal-directed behavior is often things that you enjoy and you can't like dampen down on impulses to do something you enjoy. Okay. You know, like I said, we have to do stuff like that's not fun. You know, as Blue yeah. Dad says, you know, boring yep. things are important too, <laughs> um, and that need to kind of do things that you don't enjoy. or will be like, yeah, I really want to keep playing computer games, but I've got to do this other thing. I have to do Wii, or I have to yeah. Do something so that ability to kind of prioritize is affected and so adhd there's a real like interest-based um drive and behaviors yes. um like a really uh, i was reading a book a couple of months ago um from someone who teaches about adhd and does coaching and she said um when she's talking to a group of people she can tell who in the audience probably has adhd when she says um that the ADHD brain decides on what to do based on whether it's fun or boring, mm. and everyone with ADHD is like, "Yeah," and the neurotypical people are like, "Well, I mean, I like fun things, but I do things based on how important it is." Yeah, yeah. Mm. But the, so for the ADHD true. brain, it's not really about how important it is. There's a difficult. There's a real uh, difficulty in prioritizing things based on importance rather than other things. Ah, that's so interesting.
1: And so, like, from a uh, teacher's perspective, that's so... You suddenly go like,
2: oh, yeah, that makes no sense for a lot of those kids. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it does. Yeah. And so that's even that is the most obvious, quote, unquote, um, symptom of ADHD. And the one that everyone thinks about is the attention and the hyperactivity. So um, the hyperactivity comes down to the impulsivity. So once again, that's the ability of the executive function in the frontal lobe to... um, dampen down on impulses so like that monkey brain in the back saying i want this i want this i don't want that usually the frontal lobe will and the executive function will be able to like dampen down on the impulse based on that kind of goal-directed behavior what what your goal was over time and so in adhd that in itself is inhibited as well so that okay um the the hyperactivity that's possibly partly an impulsivity thing um, so there's just this need to move Um, and there's a few other things that it it potentially can be related to Um, but you know for adults sometimes the impulsivity will be speech so people who talk a lot they can't not interrupt or they can't not talk if they have got something to say they have to say it They have no ability to be like "Mm, that's something that I'd like to say but maybe now's not a good time okay just doesn't it just is really difficult to to dampen down that impulse mm-hmm. um, for adults it might look like overspending or impulsive spending um, it might look like emotional eating and binge eating um, so that you know there's food beside me i'm gonna eat it even if i don't want it just because it's there um, that kind of thing can also um, predispose to things like drug and alcohol use smoking and things like that because that impulsive behavior Right. Um, Ah. And then the other big regulation thing, which I find is not very often talked about or recognized in ADHD is the emotional regulation. Yeah. So that's, again, uh, to do with that sort of dial. So, you know, if you think about the intensity of your emotions on a scale from one to ten, and this is not, you know, like positive versus negative, this is the intensity of feelings and the intensity Mm -hmm. of the emotion, most people most of the time will be hanging out somewhere between four and six you know something really exciting happens you'll go up something really devastating happens you'll go down um but you know usually in there um for people with adhd it is more often goes to the extremes so there might be like quite a lot of numbness a lot of the time and then there'll be like a real like really excited and people will be like you're too excited but you're yeah. like literally bouncing up and down from excitement over something that someone else might not think is that cool. Um, and so there's these real like, and you can get these big swings from one to the other. Okay. Um, and for a lot of adults with ADHD as well, you can get um, like these quite ne- big negative swings. So not, not many people think or talk about the positive swings of emotion because they feel good, um, but you can get some quite strong negative emotions. Um, right. And that can come out, you know, combine that with the impulsivity and not being able to dampen down those can look like explosive anger or okay. someone who's really, you know, is fine and then is suddenly really upset and tearful or is doing okay and then they get some feedback that they, you know, that their brain thinks, then it assumes is negative and will get really upset and ruminate over why they did such a terrible thing. Even if it was, you know, minor, quote unquote minor feedback. Yeah. Yeah,
1: to anyone else, yeah. it might not seem like a big yeah. deal. Yeah, or but... it wasn't.
2: Even, it wasn't anything like it was like yeah. someone took longer than usual to text back, or you see right. the dot, 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 and the message and it goes away, and the dot, dot, uh... dot message and you go away, and there might be this emotional swing to like, oh my god, they hate oh. me. Why did oh, I say that? Oh, thing wow, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and some oh, of the stuff that so emotional dysregulation is not just an ADHD thing, so that is, comes up in other conditions as well, like borderline personality disorder and okay. um, some other conditions. So that's not okay. just an ADHD thing, and all of the symptoms of ADHD, likewise, you can get like can come up in other conditions. So it's um, can be a little bit of a complex thing to diagnose depending on someone's yeah. history and, and mental health history and developmental stuff.
1: Okay. Oh, so the three so that's two out
2: of three i know it's so fascinating eh Ooh, um it really so is. the third the third big executive function is then the cognitive flexibility so the ability to change ah uh, okay uh yeah so so this is something you are particularly is, is more often more of a big deal in um the autistic community yeah. um that kind of a little bit more rigid and not able to change cognitively so much um, but it might also show up in terms of like switching attention from something. So you are focused on yep. something. If someone comes and interrupts you, you might mm-hmm. be able to go to do what they're doing. But can you come back to what you're doing? Yeah. And I think the, the cognitive flexibility you sometimes see in terms of like fairness and rule following. Mm. So a lot of people with ADHD are really big on fairness.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: And on following rules. Because that's how it's supposed to be. Yes. And the yeah. justice. Well, that's how this I it. This is have the way it should it. be done. This is yep. how it should be done. Yep. Um, that's it, That's how everyone needs to do it. Mm. This is where this thing needs to go. This oh. has to go here. Because mm. yep. otherwise I'll lose it, but it needs to go here. Yeah, I can't change that. It just needs to go there. And I can't explain why it just needs to go
0: there. Mm. And I guess oh. that's the same with consequences. Yep. Like I know, uh, yeah, like children I've worked with as well, they really want to see that everyone gets the same consequence for the same thing that's happened which is so yes. tricky yeah. if it's you know
2: different aged children or different mm. abilities yep. Yep.
0: yeah yeah
2: yeah and just and then how do you explain that kid, to kids that like equality versus oh, equity and like fairness doesn't mean getting the same thing yes yes, yep. Yep. yeah and yep. just
0: out of interest because from my point of view i feel like it's always been more boy heavy in terms of children mm. that i've worked with with adhd is that across the board
2: or no so it used to be thought that it was much more common in boys right. and same with autism so i think they used to think it was like five to one oh wow for autism and oh wow three to one for adhd but actually we've just been underdiagnosing girls
0: so, um, in right. both ADHD,
2: so in, in autism, girls tend to present differently to boys. So, a lot of the diagnostic stuff was based on how boys present. Okay. Um, and for autistic um, girls and uh, women, they tend to mask more. Um, uh. So, you know, you get that like, oh, you don't look autistic, you don't act autistic. Yes. But that's because they are putting a lot of conscious effort into it. So, yes, they might be making appropriate eye contact, but how much effort is it taking them? Mm. Are they having to think, okay, now is an appropriate time to make eye contact? Okay, that's too much. Now I'll look away. Okay, now I can look back. So they might be on the outside looking, quote-unquote, normal or neurotypical, but they are working really hard under the surface Mm. to make it look like that. And you get the same thing in ADHD. With the boy-girl thing in ADHD, it's – so there's you can break it up into subtypes. So ADHD used to be called either ADHD or ADD. They're now mm-hmm. combined under just ADHD. And then there's hyperactive subtype, inattentive subtype, and mixed. Um, so the hyperactive one is that kind of what we classically think of, that hyperactive little boy who's bouncing yeah. off the walls, who's hitting things, who's climbing, who can't sit still. Yeah. The inattentive subtype is the daydreamer. Ah, okay. It's the... Um, you know, the flighty, like doesn't pay attention, doesn't apply herself, um, yeah. daydreaming, doing something else, not listening. Um, what are the other like stereotypical words that people use? I'll say flighty, but that's not quite the right one. But um, they less disruptive. Yeah. So, so sometimes with adults, for example, who... I'm talking to about this, and they'll I'll ask, you know, talk about hyperactivity, and they say no. I'll say yeah, but is there hyperactivity in here, like in the head, inside? And they'll go, oh yeah, yeah, because their thoughts don't stop. So they so might not, not always be physically physically it, exactly. Yeah. So it might not be physically presenting it, but it's often inside. And um so you've got hyperactive and inattentive, and then mixed. And there's some uh, some people who will say they're different, and there are some who who will say actually it's all the same thing um it just presents differently at different times um or it looks different so the hyper the external hyperactivity um the research would suggest that it decreases over time as people get older um and there definitely will be an element of that but i think also it just looks different so Mm. for an adult with adhd or a parent with it does it just look like someone who can't relax can't sit down it's always tidying they're always up in the kitchen tidying, pottering around. So there's that need to move, but it doesn't look like it doesn't. The they're, the they're not climbing trees on the couches or climbing trees. They're not climbing on the couches and getting like sensory like, <laughs> nourishment that way. But it's like yeah. a, you sit down and then you're like, oh, there's that thing I need to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's okay. that inability to, again, switch off from the environment and just relax. It might be, I need to keep moving. Or, some people, some adults will say, I need to keep moving because if I stop, I can't get up again. Uh, right. Okay. So for a lot of adults, there'll be this um, either moving all the time or complete lack of energy. So sometimes when I'm thinking it's regulation, with adults I also kind of talk about energy regulation. So something I, I don't know if I've seen the research, but it's something I've seen clinically, is um, a difficulty in regulating energy levels. Mm, okay. So there might be like a lot of energy burst and like in um in chronic fatigue syndrome and things like fibromyalgia we call it boom and bust so um <clears throat> people who then who you've got enough energy you wake up and you're like oh yeah i'm feeling good today i'm gonna get all the stuff that i need to yeah. get yeah and you're like go hard and then you crash mm, and yeah you can't do anything for three days it's like when so you're pregnant,
1: something. right? And you think yeah. you've got all this energy and then, you yeah. realize and then you're like, oh, really at that I point, Captain. Yeah.
2: yeah. There was like a day's worth of energy and I used it in an hour. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's boom and bust. It's that feeling like when I've got that energy, I'm gonna use it. Because I know that I'm not gonna have it later, so I'm gonna use it all up. But actually it's like you're borrowing the energy from later. So right. um, I see that kind of clinically with people with ADHD as well, It's like it's all or nothing. And the nothing okay. might be scrolling on social media and physically unable to get off the couch
1: right
2: yeah and oh, not again I... not being able to explain why you know when you're like really hungover yes and yes. you're in bed and you're like i know that i need to get up but i can't get up mm. yeah and i don't know why but i can't get up it's like that
0: you, oh. you know what you need
2: to do so that's the thing with adhd it's not about and this is i think really really important for kids as well as adults but adhd is not a lack of knowledge It's not about not knowing what you need to do. It's about not being able to do that thing. Right. So you could be sitting
1: there thinking, I I know I need to go and hang out the washing, but I just can't. The washing needs to be hung
2: out. Just can't. Yeah. I know I need to do the dishes. I just can't. Sometimes it's a not remembering thing, but other times it's like I know what I need to do, but I just can't. Yeah. And it's quite difficult to explain, I think, to other people what, what that actually feels like because mm.
0: it doesn't
2: make sense uh, when well, no. you just get up you just do it you, but, and isn't yeah. like yeah. the typical
0: yeah. um there's like the stereotypical view of adhd either which you know we've probably got from media and uh movies mm. and anecdotally that's not what you would initially think of is it no,
2: no you think it's, it's a hyperactive true. little yeah. boy who's hundred percent yeah 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 and then, if you think about that and you think, oh, he just needs to know better, he needs punishment, you're not really going to address no. the issue. And this is like, I, I won't go into this too much, but like the whole it's just behavioral thing yeah. um, mm. kind of drives me out the wall a little bit. Um, behavior is communication and it expresses a need. Yes. Right? So, when kids, quote unquote, the behavior is bad or whatever or you're thinking this is a negative behavior you can't just respond to the behavior Mm. you have to kind of respond to what's underneath it yes
0: yeah
2: um because like uh i don't know if you guys know dr becky yes yeah yes Mm. so her book she was giving an example of like you know you've just come home from work and you've had a really bad day and like the kitchen is messy and the kids are yelling you didn't get much sleep last night because baby was feeding all night Da, 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 and then your husband comes in and he's like why didn't you do this thing Ugh. and you like turn around and just blast him yep. yeah yeah <laughs> and if he was like Sophie why did you throw that plate like that towel at me you know better than that I'm gonna take that blanket off you know that towel off you and you have to go sit down and think about what you do and I want you to come back and apologize you I'm
0: gonna like,
1: go and shut you in your room
2: <laughs> yeah the fuck? as opposed yeah. to like it had nothing to do with what he said really. yeah it was you were overwhelmed, uh-huh. and then you lost it because you were, you know, over that threshold. You dysregulated. Um, oh, same stuff so true. Happens. I know. At that point, you just need a hug.
1: You just need a hug. hug
2: yeah, and you just need to go, yeah. like, damn, you must have had a really hard day. Yeah. yeah. Why oh, don't you go sit so down? True. I'll do this. Yeah, or something. So that's that How behavior. Rather than looking at the behavior itself, is what's been going on so yeah, for you? kids and adults who are behaving in that way sometimes it's like what else is going on is there too much sensory stimulation is there not enough yeah. sensory stimulation um so hard as a parent happening? what's happening with food like oh my god so hard and that's why yeah. that like quote-unquote it's just behavioral thing really yeah because it's often health professionals who say uh, it okay. um mm. to parents who are trying to say who are saying this is really hard and i need help because this is really hard yeah yeah and they're like oh it's just behavioral as if you can just choose to fix
0: or that you're being manipulated I always thought it's so frustrating mm-hmm. if you read that and it was maybe understood by parents as well it's behavioural, as in they're kind of manipulating us you're thinking
2: mm-hmm. they're
0: five <laughs> like
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah they don't really have the ability to slash again if they are and then it's something for a reason I mean, yeah, exactly. as well like they're doing it for a reason
0: yeah, yeah. they, they are yeah. they try to tell and you and it something. might be a
2: cheeky mischievous five-year-old reason but it's valid to them. yeah yeah yeah, 100%. yeah. And it doesn't make and and it doesn't make it um any easier as a parent it's still friggin hard uh, but sometimes yeah. that understanding um what's underneath it and yeah i like if ever if any of the listeners haven't um come across dr becky kennedy's work her um it's Good inside. Yes. So Instagram is do- good inside with Dr. Becky, and her book is good inside, and it's really, really good. Mm.
0: She uploads loads of quick videos, yeah. doesn't she? Like tips yeah. of stuff yeah. from like her morning with yeah. her kids, which I really like. Exactly,
2: and that's kind of it's that stuff of like this is something you can put into action. Yeah, that will potentially actually help in the moment. So it's really useful. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's been extremely um, helpful, Sophie. Yeah,
0: it
2: has. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing, just because we were talking about that, there's so those are like the primary executive functioning, and then there are like yeah. secondary ones that come off that, like planning, organisation, um, remembering things. Um, oh, yeah, the working memory. A good example of this for parents is uh, for adults is like putting your keys down. Mm you might not be actually concentrating on where your hand is when you put the keys down
1: right
2: and that's why you know you'd be like i literally had that in my hand a second ago but they're not there uh okay yeah. and
1: i I saw some someone shared on instagram um like they they use this as an example mm. and someone must have said like we'll just get a key bowl like at your front door mm. And they were Which
2: like, will "Yeah, work I've, if it goes in the keyboard every single yeah. time."
1: Yeah, they were like, yeah, "Yeah, we've tried that, but I just don't put them in there. It's just yeah. not
2: what." So yeah. it's not. It's like telling someone that actually we'll just get a planner. Like, yes, yes. This, it doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> they will have tried that before, and it doesn't yes. work. Yeah, 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 yeah. So okay. the, um, yeah, the systems thing, like the keyboard, Like sometimes I'll ask people, like, "Do you misplace things?" No. Is that because you have a keyboard? Yes. What happens if they're not in the keyboard? And people were like, they just go, what? Yeah, and like, if not, if it's not in the keyhole. Then I can't do. Would have with no so idea. It, I've got no idea where it'd be. Yeah. Um. So the you haven't really asked about. Well, I don't think we're going to talk about medications, but I just thought I'd mention really briefly because yes. a lot of people are like, why would I give stimulant medication to a child that's hyperactive? Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Common question. Yeah. The stimulants work on that frontal lobe and the executive function. So they, quote unquote, stimulate the part that's not working well, ah, which okay. can then inhibit the other stuff. Okay, so right. So that's why okay. an ADHD person, someone with ADHD who takes stimulant medications will often feel calmer and they will look more calm.
0: Ah, so it kind of balances out. Because they,
2: Exactly. Right. So a neurotypical okay. person who takes them will often feel heightened, like they'll feel, you know stimulated um but someone who has adhd will often feel more calm if they've got the right dose um because it 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 wakes up the bit that's asleep if you will and then yeah can then dampen down the other stuff
0: and does it normally take okay yeah does it normally take a while to kind of find the right like medication and dose is it something that that you have to play around
2: with a bit i do a lot with patients with this, yeah. um, there's there's two different medications in New Zealand um, and one of the medications has four different formulations. Um, so I tell people we've got to find the right medication, the right formulation, the right dose and the right timing. Uh, okay. Right. So it's not a one-dose fits all, it's not weight-based, um, it's really individualistic and it's probably the doses to do with genetics and how much you know gets absorbed from the gut, how much gets uh, um, okay uh metabolized and stuff so so it takes a bit of time to get the right uh what's the word something regime um yeah. and then just to throw it in the mix for um people who ovulate and have periods that will also mess things up no way hey, hey. so oh. um adhd symptoms change throughout the cycle for those oh. who have hormonal cycles oh wow um, yeah, and uh, perimenopause is often a really difficult time for ADHD um, with the changes in estrogen in particular and um, can make ADHD symptoms a lot worse. Oh, so I actually di- um, see a lot of women who we end up, I refer to the psychiatrist to get a diagnosis that's come up because of that deterioration in the perimenopause.
0: Oh, so they don't get diagnosed until like the perimenopause
2: period? the 50 or, wow. yeah. 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 Yeah, so I see a lot of adults who have never been diagnosed before um, and they're coming in to see me in general practice about something completely different or in the perinatal clinic. Um, And then I just kind of have my spidey senses up most of the time and then ask about it. And some people are like, oh, yeah, I've been thinking about that. I've been seeing stuff on social media and it sounds like me and other people kind of laugh at me and then (laughs) come back later and they're like, oh... Actually. Yeah. I asked my husband and he said, Well duh. <laughs> oh, <goodness. laughs> yeah. There
1: is a lot more being shared on social media, isn't it? Mm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there is, which there's definite benefits to. Uh and some downsides and risks, but Of course. Yeah. Even if it's, you
1: know, helping some people that think, oh, like you said, that sounds like yeah. me, and it's mm. then meant that I've reached out and tried to yeah. get some help. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking, we have kind of spoken about how it appears differently in adults, but did you want yeah. to touch on that yeah, a little I bit more?
2: Yeah, I think the main things I guess I had thought about from that one is um, by the time you're an adult, you have often learnt ways of coping so developed coping strategies and some of them are now really adaptive and some of them become maladaptive or less helpful um so masking is more common so you know i know i've got a few friends who have adhd who on the outside like look super organized mm-hmm. like you would not yeah. miss it because they've just everything's organized but it takes a lot of effort okay right to do that and sometimes the being that organized is the coping strategy for complete disorganization otherwise right um so again when I'm screening people I'm saying you know do you one of the screening questions on the the one that I use says how often do you miss appointments or obligations um and I kind of rephrase that to how much effort do you have to put in in order to not forget because a lot of people who are successful in adulthood are like well I don't forget yeah but how many reminders do you have uh okay oh yeah it's on my calendar and a reminder and I get a text you know and I'm checking my calendar five times a day so that I don't forget something
0: Ah, interesting
2: so they so from the outside they don't look like that's an issue but it is an issue and again it's that you know like the duck on the water with the legs yeah seriously yeah um they put the so processes
1: can, in place
0: because they've they now systems know in place yeah.
2: and the systems take a lot of effort to maintain and that's right. how life keeps going but it's but it's a lot of effort um and that can come at a cost so that cost could be significant anxiety um right. you know anxiety about missing appointments or being late because yeah. it's happened so often, and the difficult thing is, it's something that's happened so often, so it kind of reinforces yeah. that. It reinforces to the anxiety part of your brain that this is something I need to worry about because it's
0: happened uh,
2: before. Um, and I guess
0: you might forget, like can, how much you know support and scaffolding you've put in
2: place as well. Until yeah, until you're asked hmm, how much work. Until you don't yeah. Until the keys are not in the key bowl. Yeah, and then yeah. everything. And then what can then happen is like the keys aren't in the key bowl. And then someone will just completely break down mm. because that coping right. strategy, that thing is not there. Right. And
1: then, and then they don't know. You what can to kind do. of see yeah. all the stuff that's
2: under the surface, so they don't know what to do. Or there's a lot of shame underneath it, like
1: okay, um. or
2: a lot of fear, or anxiety, like the keys aren't there. I've got no freaking idea where they are. Now I can't drop the kids off to school. I'm going to be late to work. My boss is going to yell at me again. Yeah. whereas you know someone else might be like oh damn okay well i'll just i'll just look for or something you know ring my husband and he'll know where they are um so yeah it's kind of those coping strategies and that's one of the things this must be um, so hard for um people once they become parents i just exactly because a lot of the time you then lose your coping strategies so there's a really really wonderful podcast um on the neurodivergent woman podcast from Australia, right. um, and they interviewed a perinatal psychologist, um, I think it's Amanda Dawning, about this. It's really, it's very, very good. I've listened to it twice. I need to listen to it uh, Okay. Um, and she talks about why things often te- deteriorate so much peri- um, after having kids, and one of the reasons is because you can't use your coping strategies anymore. Mm, right. So your coping strategies might be getting enough exercise. It might be getting enough sleep yeah um it might be having time to yourself when no one's touching you or no yes, one's needing you yeah or um you know you might be coping by moving all the time and be like a you know active relaxer but when you have just had a baby you can't you know you can't do that because you don't have enough energy to do that and it yeah creates more stress so yeah. um i highly recommend that podcast episode um and adults so that masking and kind of coping strategies low self-esteem is really 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 oh. common like for an adult oh. who their whole schooling life heard um you know is really intelligent but doesn't apply herself
0: mm. yes yeah. lazy
2: is not meeting her potential oh,
0: yeah yeah like
2: what that does to someone who's going to hear that all the time yeah. yeah not meeting her potential could be doing so much better but just doesn't yeah yeah so a lot of people adults with adhd will think they're lazy oh yeah or are stupid Yeah, because they might be really intelligent, but they don't do well at tests.
0: Yes, of course, for a variety of reasons. Yeah,
2: Um, so more so, comorbidities like anxiety, depression, OCD, um, substance use are really common in adults with ADHD. Particularly more common in people who it was undiagnosed as well. Um, And like I said earlier, the kind of hyperactive, impulsive symptoms look different often. So it might be eating, spending, talking, gambling, Mm. um, that kind of thing exercising a lot because you need to get the energy out that kind of thing um or stimming just looks different do it in way people do it in ways that kind of a more socially acceptable uh, okay. um, so there might still be fidgeting and stimming but it might look like hair twiddling or tapping your foot or putting your hands under your bum so that you can't um move them all the time um so there might still be, and if you're looking for it, like if I'm looking for it, I can often see it. Um, yeah. But it's not obvious think, to other people. And that's just
1: because they've learned that that. They've learned that it's not you know, socially acceptable yeah. to do oh. the other stuff. Yeah. And I yeah. guess that's the thing. Like I know as teachers, how often are you saying to kids sit still and listen? Or
2: yeah. Which actually, which... for a child with who has a need to stim, who has high sensory needs um, or hyperactivity, they they can't learn so that's the reason why they're moving is because they're trying to concentrate they want to concentrate so actually a neurodivergent kid rather than being like you need to sit still and concentrate it might be can we give you other ways of stimming
1: Mm. that will
2: work better for you and won't disrupt the other kids
1: and that's actually that's one thing like, now in classrooms that's great. We have lots of, you know, standing tables or yes, yeah. like balls that they can bounce on while they're doing yeah. their work and things yeah, like that. Exactly. So things like a medicine. A
2: yoga ball bouncing, on yes. Yeah. Will then sometimes allow a child to concentrate. Or an adult yep. to concentrate. Yeah. Um you might an adult might be need to be doing two or three things at once. So they might not okay. be able to listen to a podcast like this normally but they can if they're cleaning or walking okay things like that so some people that actually can't watch youtube videos for example because yeah you can't sit and watch and listen at the same time without doing other things
1: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah um so that was my main stuff about how it appears differently in adults um,
1: and what would yeah. you say some of the most common misconceptions are around ADHD in adults? We've probably touched on a few of them already, mm. but any other? So probably the biggest
2: there? misconceptions would be, first off, that adults don't have ADHD. You can't have ADHD as an adult. Yeah. So used to be that thought that only kids have it. And a lot of people still think only kids have it and adults don't have it okay. or that you grow out of it. Yeah. Um, and the research on that suggests that it's, possibly some people like i think it's maybe a fifth i'd have to look it up um some people might grow out of it but i suspect that for those people it's more of a they've created a life where they can manage it really well so they might get enough sleep exercise have a job that works really well for their brain so they don't have any dysfunction from it okay but i don't know if it would be like necessarily they've got a neurotypical brain now um so the research shows that most you know kids will grow up they'll still have it's a neurodevelopmental condition um the brain will mature so tends to be slower than than people with uh, a neurotypical brain but it does mature and you do develop those things but there's often still um some executive function issues as an adult um a big misconception and kind of it's a stigma thing is that you can't be successful
1: and have adhd uh, yeah
2: so you know i know people who are told like oh you can't have adhd you're a doctor you right. can't have ADHD, you're an account, you've been to university. Like, how would you have gone yeah. to university if you had ADHD? Um, and it's not true. There's heaps of successful people with ADHD. Um, and do you think
1: that's just because people have seen children with ADHD? Perhaps they went to school with someone, and uh, yeah, maybe that child, they heard that child always being told, um, yeah, you're not. Well, you that's, and like, that, that child and...
2: is always hearing that. Like, what's yeah. the likelihood they're going to meet their potential if they, you know, like, we, we you, you get in education you see that happening in other areas like where you've yeah. got um racial inequities sometimes it's because they haven't someone one particular person hasn't been uh they've just been told you'll not make it you won't go yeah. to university yeah and so they hear that they hear that then why they and they believe it. Going, maybe i could do it exactly so that's potential issue but then there's other people who yeah so you know things like high iq and a lot of intelligence emotional or otherwise um can mask a lot of symptoms and shame. people can get through university and get through further training. Um, sometimes it's white knuckling it. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's developing certain strategies, um, but it definitely does not stop people from succeeding. It can make things harder, um, can make things a lot harder, but it doesn't yeah. mean that they can't, they can't do, do it. it. So there are, a, I know a lot of very successful people with ADHD. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: There's a lot of entrepreneurs a lot of doctors <laughs> a lot cool. of i don't know oh, about that, lawyers i don't know there probably is but yeah um, yeah. yeah oh yeah. and it's probably, what, yeah
1: kids need to know yes. that don't yeah. they
2: yeah 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 exactly and teenagers need to know that
1: yeah like
2: adolescents need to know that it's not you know because you know for someone who's an adolescent getting a diagnosis and is and an adult getting a diagnosis there can be quite a big grieving process oh, yeah um yeah. like Some of it when it's an adult is that what if I'd known earlier? Like Uh, things have been so hard. What if I'd known earlier and this could have made my life easier? Um, And – oh, I forgot where I was going with that.
1: (laughs) Um, Adolescence, (laughs) grieving period. Adolescence, (laughs)
2: learning. Oh, and then that looking forward. And it's the same for a parent whose child has just been diagnosed. Like what does this mean for them?
1: Yeah.
2: Is their life going to be much harder? Are they going to be able to be successful? And if you're being told that people with ADHD – do drugs and crime and mm. never succeed. You're going to be devastated. As opposed to if you're seeing positive representation and you're like, oh, yeah, you can. They can anyone can. You know, like we just you are putting in what supports can we put in to, um, like, do you guys know about the social model of disability versus the medical model of disability? No.
1: no. So the
2: the medical model of disability is um, this person is disabled. Like say someone who need who uses a wheelchair, like their body is disabled and it's just what okay. it is.
1: Yeah.
2: The um and same with ADHD, they've got a disability because their brain is does stupid things. Versus, are, it's a bad way of saying it, but um the social model of disability is more like the disability comes from the societal context. So someone right. who uses a wheelchair, yeah. If there are ramps and the kitchen is the right height and doesn't have you know drawers underneath it, so they can come in to the bench are they disabled right if they can do the things that they want to be doing yeah are they disabled someone who can't hear if everybody has ASL like you know sign language are they disabled okay yeah for someone with ADHD does the disability come from the way the brain is wired or is it the expectations that are placed on them from other people Mm. and there's obviously an element of you know if you that's not to take away from the disadvantages and the difficulties. There are definitely difficulties, and you can't fix that with a wheelchair or with medications yeah. or stuff. But you can take away a lot of the disability and the dysfunction that comes from it. Yeah,
1: I um I don't know if you you might actually know him, Sophie, because you're with Nelson Liam Malone. Hmm. Do you remember him? He um ran at the Paralympics. He has he doesn't oh, name he's is familiar. Lost, yeah, both of his legs anyway yeah he's a, was a good friend of mine from uni and he had his legs both legs amputated um from kind of the calf down when he was 18 mm. months old anyway he was like I don't ever think of myself as disabled because I can do everything that
2: yeah he can an run an able body than can. I can, and I'm able, yeah
1: he I just went one gold like three times at the Paralympics Mm. and you didn't, you didn't do that. So I can actually (laughs) do things better than you. I'm not disabled.
2: Exactly. And you don't want to use that as a, like that should never be used as a weapon against. No. I think that's, um, and I'm not saying that you are, but I I see this sometimes in discussions around ADHD as well of like, some people will say like, oh, ADHD is a superpower because they really want to talk about the positives of it because there are a lot of real benefits to it. but it's. You, you that should never be used as a you know like i've i've got a, f- a friend of a friend who um their boyfriend would say not a friend whose boyfriend would say oh but such and such is really successful he's got adhd and he's really successful so why can't you
1: right yeah, yeah. you know
2: and if someone's like oh well i don't have legs and i could do it well, then that therefore you should be able to do it
1: Yeah. Again, it's just like all humans are different, right? Just because someone's a doctor doesn't mean I can be, you know?
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. And it's about celebrating that everybody, like the differences are all worthy and all of value and one person's stuff is not better than someone else. but also
0: supporting where needed. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So how... Could ADHD then affect you as a parent and affect your your parenting abilities?
2: Mm, a lot. Yeah, I've so I went into some of the stuff about like breastfeeding specifically in a blog post that I wrote, um, and like the new, that neurodivergent woman podcast is a very very okay. good one as well to do with um, neurodiversity yep. and parenting. But okay. um, I think if like so if you look at things like. Um, sleep deprivation and the effect that that has so sleep deprivation will affect everybody's executive functioning so Mm -hmm. when we talked about all the stuff at the start about executive functioning everybody can be impacted by that so everybody will have had the experience of when you haven't had enough sleep or there's a lot Mm -hmm. of stress on you know not being able to remember things forgetting Mm -hmm. things losing your keys yelling at someone without meaning to eating constantly so everybody has experienced that kind of executive dysfunction um and people with adhd they've they've kind of got a they're on the back foot anyway right and things can tend to get a little bit worse so um in parenting you know that that stuff is all affected so you don't get enough sleep you're physically fatigued do you have time to eat or like you know the ability to actually cook yourself a nourishing meal and then eat it or are you just grabbing your toddler's crusts off the plate um, and then forgetting to eat the rest of the time and then binging at night because you're so hungry and all you can eat is chocolate. Yeah. Um, and, you know, don't get me wrong, I think chocolate fuels breastfeeding often. <laughs> it um, definitely does. But our bodies need more. <laughs> yeah, but, our body, but we need more than that. And diet, you know, I'm not one of these people who says dietary stuff causes ADHD, um, but, you know, some, it does affect symptoms. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people, we talked a little bit earlier about the sensory stuff so with parenting with breastfeeding and postpartum sweating milk sticky spit up vomit saliva you know there's a lot as a parent (laughs) the heat so baby wearing and summer is hot so you're, you're getting sweaty have you had time to have a shower you know does your hair feel greasy um toddlers climb on you all the time like there's a lot of sensory stuff that you can't necessarily get away from so you know you can be overwhelmed by your baby needing you in physical contact all the time and know that that's the right thing to do and the normal thing to do but also find it really difficult yeah um there's yeah and the sound obviously crying can be really really difficult um and things like kids arguing oh um (laughs) i think that's i think that's the trigger for everyone isn't it your children arguing yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. um there's like the number of things that you need to remember Mm. so like going out you need to suddenly you know you don't you can't just grab your phone and keys anymore and maybe wallet you have to remember the nappy bag the nappies the wipes the spare clothes did you repack the spare clothes after they messed them up last time you know all those things that you have to remember and then you know going to Plunkett or um you child nurse or going to a play group or something like the address and following instructions and directions yes. and stuff can be really difficult so there's kind of all these additional needs
1: yeah so there's a
2: lot of additional pressure on the executive function when it's already kind of on the back foot um and then again, like that, a lot of kind of shame about if you do forget the baby wipes again, you have to ask someone else, and they seem totally with it and organised, and you just are a milk covered mess. Um, if you're, you know, if you're not breastfeeding as well, like buying formula,
1: yeah. mm. sterilising,
2: washing bottles, um, you know, just remembering stuff, remembering to fit, you know, when did I last give them a yeah. bottle? Yeah, you know, with and multiple, like not you know, multiples. If you've got twins, when did I feed mm. that one versus that one? And it goes back to the um, thing you're
0: saying about you can be sitting on the sofa and knowing you have to do all these things, but it's another mm-hmm. thing actually doing them. Which that oh, exactly. just adds a and whole so then layer.
2: when Exactly, exactly. And then you know, there's that advice of like, don't you know, don't do the dishes; they can wait. Which I, I I understand the reasoning behind that thing is like, you need rest more than the dishes need to be done. But at the same time, if the dishes also need to be done. They need yeah, to be done. You need yeah. those things. Like It has to be yeah. done. Um, and can you actually do that? Or is the only way that you can do that thing by completely beating yourself oh. up about it? Yeah. And driving yourself on adrenaline because you, you're shaming yourself into doing that behavior. Um, there's the added thing of like, because ADHD is, and autism is a neurodevelopmental genetic condition. If a parent has ADHD, there is a higher chance that one of their children right. will have Yes. Okay. So you've got then the, diff, you know, the added difficulties that parenting a child with ADHD has. So a baby who's, um, neuro, you know, who has ADHD or autism can have a lot of um, different sensory needs. Okay. Um, sometimes um, sleep can be affected um all of that sort of stuff as well as when they you know toddlers and, and older that impulsivity and mm. reactivity and dysregulation and overwhelm and stuff um can be more difficult particularly if you then also have emotional dysregulation yeah. mm.
1: so adhd can present in children as young as toddlers
2: yeah you couldn't diagnose it but i think it's one of those things where like as a so say for adhd all like babies will all be kind of not born the same but born the same and then you get this kind of um divergence over time in terms of executive functioning so neurotypical kids will develop things faster and there'll be a delay for the other kids so you probably like in a two-year-old all two-year-olds are impulsive yes, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> live in the now and you know want what they want and hit when they don't and dysregulate stuff yeah but over time there'll be like this divergence in terms of those abilities okay. um and I do see babies who um whose parents may be neurodivergent so they have a high chance of it I do see um, sometimes more crying, um, more sleep disruption, um, lower sleep needs, or um, kids, babies who, or, or you know, little toddlers who can put up with higher sleep pressure um, right. and then just regulate. So it, like, when I'm seeing a um, a family about a sleep thing, if there's a higher chance that the child has ADHD or it comes out, it possibly is I treat. I just look at it differently. Okay. Okay. Address it different differently. Yeah. Um, yes. I can't really explain it better than that. But yeah, I just can yeah, I kind of take a slightly different lens on some of the um some of the things I yeah. suggest. Okay. I, I was yeah. just thinking yeah. when you were saying um, that,
0: I mean it's so some days you feel like your only job as a parent is supporting your toddler or child mm, with their emotional mm, regulation. Mm. You know, when you're just having one mm-hmm. of those days where they're really, really finding it tough. And it must be Mm. so difficult if you have ADHD yourself to be able to support, Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm.
0: you know, really give your all to that, Um, thinking, (laughs) I mean, I've barely got my shit together. (laughs)
2: Um, How? Yeah, Yeah. and then, exactly. And then so if you talk to these parents, they'll be yelling and a lot of Mm. arguing and stuff, and then they feel awful about it. But there's, like, there's no control. And you will have had this experience as well when, that, you know, you've, kept you cool you've kept you cool you've kept you cool you've white knuckled through and then something else happens and you just lose it um and then you feel terrible and then you imagine that happening more often Mm. um the other thing um that i'll mention and, and won't go into heaps but um in my experience as well and some of the research shows this as well i think Um, neurodivergent people are probably more vulnerable to the effects of trauma in childhood Um, and so you might also see an increase in intergenerational trauma okay so um, and there's you know some people who will say that trauma causes ADHD which I I don't think the research really backs up but I think the ADHD brain might be more sensitive to the effects potentially for autistic brain as well um, and it's genetic which might be because the it's genetic and it might be as well because if the parent if a parent has it what was their parent so we know that our experience as parents is like you know there's a big um, effect of how we were parented yes
1: mm-hmm.
2: and we don't you know that often only comes up after we become a parent and sometimes mm-hmm. it's not even a parent until you talk to someone who knows this area um, the reason why certain behaviours of your children are so difficult for us to manage is because of our own early experience. Um, and so if you were a child who had ADHD and you were not allowed to climb on the furniture, it might really, really, really bug you when your child climbs on the furniture. Yeah. Okay. And if you like logically thought about it, you might go, you know what, it's not that big a deal. Mm. It's not a couch that's going to be broken by that. It's fine, but it might like really bug you. Okay. Um, it might feel deep down unsafe, right. yeah, for them to do that, and then you want to stop them from doing it. So, um, yeah,
0: and that's so hard to recognize. Think that, and then that kind of that's the, on you and not uh, on them.
2: Uh, yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: And when you've got really low capacity, <laughs> yeah, you just you yeah you're going to be uh, reactive, and then it's really hard to recognize that stuff. And to then do something Mm. about it, even if you do recognise it.
0: And not let it become Mm. then a trauma that they're
2: carrying on, you know. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so that's where the sort of rupture and repair stuff comes in of, um, you know, it's normal to have, this is a a concept in kind of um, infant and child psychology, but the idea that it's normal for there to be a rupture in a relationship. What's important is the repair that happens Mm -hmm. afterwards. So, again, if we think back to that situation in the kitchen, your husband says you yell something and throw a towel at him, um, that's a rupture. If you then just pretend like that never happened, and if he comes and even says, like, how was that? And you're like, nothing happened, you're overreacting. Yeah. It was not that big a deal. Versus if you go and you come back later and you're like, I'm sorry. I lost my call. Cool. Like that was yeah. nothing you said or did. I just had a really bad day. That actually can strengthen the relationship. Right. And it's the same thing with our kids. You know, obviously you don't want this happening all the time. But if there are, you know, times when you yell or something happens, then, or you have an argument with your partner or someone like that, then actually going to them afterwards and and repairing that relationship. And that might be through words, like apologising. It might just be through connecting in another way. Yeah. So for kids who don't have that kind of verbal ability or sometimes it's not always appropriate, um, it might just be going in and playing a game together or doing something silly to make them laugh or some somehow repairing that relationship yeah. again.
1: Oh, and it's yeah. so important for parents to model to children as well, isn't it? Mm. Because how often is there conflict between kids and then at the end you think, oh, say sorry or, you know, make mm. it up to them. But actually, if, yeah. if you're not doing that yourself to them.
2: Yeah. Then how yep. can we expect them to go and do it? And that's not necessarily something that kids are able to do. Yeah, yeah. Because like, they're well, not even able to really do that anyway. But that's right. We're modelling that. We're showing that it's okay to have emotions. Yeah. And that it, you can express emotions, and then, and then it still feels safe afterwards. Yeah. So you're teaching them that yes, it's, it's safe to, you know, show their emotions, and then hopefully over time, then building that capacity to understand. You know, if you're saying, like, I'm sorry, I yelled, I was just really tired and hungry. You're yeah. again modelling that, like, sometimes there's other stuff yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So how might someone know if ADHD may be a part of them? And if you are thinking that, what, what steps do you – what's your next steps?
2: Mm. So I think um, – I guess part of it would be, like, if you're kind of listening to this and you're going, oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah Yeah. then maybe look into it more um there'll be a lot of people who hear this kind of thing and go yeah that sounds like me and then looking into it more go you know what that's probably not Mm -hmm. um like i said there's a lot of other things that um coexist so anxiety can cause a lot of similar symptoms um borderline personality and complex ptsd can cause a lot of similar symptoms um uh bipolar affective disorder can have some similarities um but yeah if you're kind of listening to this or you've seen stuff online um just kind of looking into it doing some reading um there's some really good uh pages out there like how to adhd is a youtube channel if you if people can watch youtube videos um she's got a lot of really good information the attitude website like attitude for add
0: okay oh
2: yeah um the book ADHD 2.0 by Doctors Ned Hallowell and John Ratey is probably my favourite. Um, it's okay. really useful for people who have it themselves or a, someone in their whanau or friends or their children. Um, it just really explains what it is, how it affects people, what do medications do, what are okay. non-medication things you can do. Um, there's a lot of quite like quite good social media pages and there's some that are, less helpful. Right. Um but I guess it would be uh yeah a lot of people ask me like is it worth getting a formal diagnosis or not? Um and my opinion is that in general yes. Okay. Um yep. in New Zealand unfortunately the public service doesn't really do ADHD assessment for adults um sometimes, but it's quite rare. Um so most of it is in private. Oh, okay. um, so there is a cost Associated with it, unfortunately, and who um, does that? But I, I um... psychiatrist, oh, okay, psychiatrist. So in oh, a child, okay. it's a paediatrician or a psychiatrist. Yeah. and adults, um, sorry, a trained as clinical psychologist or psychologist who's done training. It some can sometimes do right. it. Um, if you're wanting to use medications for ADHD, you need to have seen a paediatrician or psychiatrist. So, um, some psychiatrists will get you to see a psychologist first. Right. right okay um but yeah so to, to kind of go through the medication stuff you need to have seen a psychiatrist okay. in New Zealand um so I generally recommend if people can afford it that a formal diagnosis is worth it um part of that is access to medications because yeah. the medications are so incredibly yeah. helpful they um people like 80% of people have quite significant improvement They don't fix everything, obviously, Um, but the medications allow you to learn the skills that will help. So, you know, there's a lot of skill-based stuff that comes in, but because of that whole it's not about knowledge, it's about applying the knowledge, Mm. Um, the medications can help you actually apply the knowledge. Um, So there's the access to medications. There's a lot of it is kind of like the validation.
1: Yeah. So...
2: Almost everybody that I've supported through the diagnostic process has said, or when I've brought it up, they're going, yes, that's what I feel. There's kind of like imposter syndrome. Like, do I really have this? Or am I just looking for an excuse for why I'm Uh, terrible? Okay. Right. And I'm a terrible person, a terrible life. Um, I know. (laughs) So, and I say to people, you know, if I've done screening on people and they've just said no. And if you look at the questionnaires that I do or you look at the online questionnaires, you know, someone who's neurotypical was probably going to say no to a lot of them. Yeah. Just like if I looked at a list of autistic screening questionnaires, I go, no, that's not me. Yeah. I'm comfortable with that. So if you're looking at the kind of the diagnostic things or a lot of the screening questions and it feels like you, it's, it describes, explains a lot of your experiences, um, then it's worth looking into and so then the, the formal diagnosis kind of gives that like oomph behind yeah. it so that people aren't just going i think am i just making this up yeah am i just trying to come up with an excuse as to why xyz right. yeah 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 as well as there are other conditions that mimic adhd and it would be it's useful to know I think that you don't have it because then other treatment options are available and you know effective
1: okay yeah I guess as well with the um medication I'm sure remembering to take medication could be extremely challenging
2: for Um, people with for some people yeah yeah Yeah. there's a meme out there that's like something about doctors are always worried about people abusing their stimulants and then like everyone out there with ADHD is just forgetting to oh, Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. <gasps> yeah. Um, yeah. Most most people I've, I've... Most of my patients, I don't think, have a massive issue with it because it makes such a difference. Yes, of course. And they course. might, like, forget it, but they'll notice that they've forgotten it and then take it. Yeah. yeah. Um, right, yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: and so... The last thing you wanted to to ask you about then was um, postnatal depression and anxiety because mm. we chatted to um, Dr Caitlin Northern recently. How closely linked would you say these are with ADHD and you in a much higher risk category if you do have ADHD?
2: Yeah, I think so. That's been my experience. Um I often will screen people with quite severe postnatal anxiety or depression um, and OCD as well. Right. Um, I'll often screen them for ADHD and or autism. Um, So I think the likelihood is higher. So even not perinatally, the risk of um, anxiety for an adult with ADHD is at least 50%. Um, If not higher. It increases over time. Um, So the rate is already higher than the the baseline population. And then add in, again, postnatally, the changes of hormones. So like I said earlier, during your cycle and perimenopausal, the lower estrogen levels will impact on symptoms. And postpartum, particularly if you're breastfeeding, you tend to have lower estrogen levels. Um, So there's hormonal changes. Um, There's more demands on you you've got lower capacity in the first place and then there's like I mentioned earlier there's often a lot of shame under the surface mm-hmm. sometimes people don't realize it but um that can all kind of come up with parenting as well right. um yeah gosh such a challenging oh. plus the yeah sleep yeah and the sensitivity just all of those lovely things that go thing. with it yeah yeah, yeah oh. exactly
0: yeah yeah really hard time to take care yeah. of yourself and prioritize your it mental is, health it is. Which,
2: yeah. yeah 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 and i i think the other thing that i often i sometimes see is it is that kind of um adhd burnout as well in the perinatal period so it might not be necessarily quote-unquote postnatal depression or anxiety although that can look different for different people but sometimes just like the overwhelm and the burnout okay. yeah um as well so i guess i you know if you're finding things just really hard, um, th- that's probably when it's time to kind of reach out for help. Okay. I think with someone who works in the perinatal space. Yeah, yeah.
0: Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so yeah. much, Sophie.
2: Yeah, it's such. Yeah, I learned rambly there, a sorry. lot. From yeah, this. so much,
0: and it's just. I think it's so great that it's being that um so much there's so much more understanding around adhd now and it isn't Mm, like we said before it's not just something you associate with that really hyperactive disruptive boy um yeah you know that you see at the
2: playground or whatever it's
0: so much more than that and it's such a much bigger spectrum i guess isn't it Mm, Um,
2: yeah exactly and when people talk about the the spectrum like adhd is a spectrum or autism is a spectrum it's not a spectrum like some people have a little bit of ADHD or yeah. autism and other people have a lot of ADHD and autism. It's a spectrum in terms of how much each of the individual aspects are affecting okay. someone. Right. Yeah. So a lot of people will think it's a spectrum and you get this. People go, oh, everybody's a little bit ADHD, which is a super unhealthy thing <laughs> to say. It's <That's> like <laughs> saying, oh, everybody's got a little bit of cancer when someone <laughs> tells you they've just had diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. Not right. Um, but it's not like a spectrum like – Yeah, from there to there, it's more, a lot of people share similar things, but how much is each of the individual elements affecting you? What is the pervasiveness of those symptoms?
0: Um,
2: How much are they affecting your life rather than someone's got a little bit of ADHD? Yeah, it's not
0: kind of increasing
2: yeah exactly and that's you know similar thing the changing in terminology around um autism diagnosis about people used to say things like high functioning autism, Mm. which is not a term that tends to be used anymore because someone who's high functioning they're not it's not easier for them okay right than someone else they're just you know they're they're just maybe masking more yeah this is more about that that kind of quote-unquote high functioning is more about what other people are seeing, kind of their perspective of it so that's yeah like, again, some of the stuff with ADHD, all the diagnostic criteria is based on other people's, um, like what I'm seeing you do, mm. what I'm ex- what I'm witnessing this child doing. Yeah, other people's, people's perceptions experiences. on it. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's probably one of the reasons why we're getting so many more people realising that they've got it is social media is allowing people to tell their stories and their experiences. Yeah. So it's no longer the, this is a list of eight symptoms that a psychiatrist would see and you have to meet you have to get three out of each of the four categories to get a diagnosis for blah, blah, blah it's like this is this is my experience this is how okay. I feel in this situation um and there's a lot of really great memes out there um, that you know you can say a million things in one meme um <laughs> so I think that's probably why there's a lot more people mm. um realizing about their themselves um because they're seeing their experience mirrored in someone else's experience yeah.
1: And I guess maybe people are just feeling a little bit more comfortable to talk about it as well.
2: Yeah. I think so. It's becoming, it's still, there's still, I think, a lot of stigma there, but it's becoming less so. It's becoming more, I think it's similar to probably anxiety and depression where it used to be like super stigmatized. And then you had a lot of people like John Kerwin coming out and saying, I'm a really successful, you know, people used to go, you can't have depression, you're successful. Mm -hmm. Uh What have you got to be depressed about? You know, um, and then now there's a you know a lot of people who came out and said I'm successful and I have depression. Yeah, and I think that sort of thing is going to start happening yeah. now. Is that it's just going to be seen as a as a part of you and not something that's shameful. Or, yeah, that's yeah. really
0: positive. Mm. Yeah. Oh, thank you Another very much. Sophie. Amazing
2: conversation with you. So
0: yeah really thank you so much i'm sure this didn't get too rambly i can talk about oh yeah i bet (laughs) we could ask about a million questions about it